Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Hello and welcome to episode 139 of We Are Going Up. Yes, that many. And it's a show which is released on a Friday. So you might be listening to this as you head home, start the weekend on the train after work. Maybe you're on your way to a game you listen to a Saturday morning. I'm Mark Cross. Is it, is it the sort of uplifting listen you need to start your weekend, <laughs> well, I wonder? We're about to find out. David Cameron Walker is here. Back in one piece, refreshed. Hello. Yeah. How was your week in Portugal? Was it, it was good? lovely. Thanks very much. Yeah. You Plenty saw of bit, sunshine. Saw a bit of football while you were out swimming, there. Swimming. Climb on the beach. I heard uh, played a bit of football on the beach. I heard a rumor that you were the only person in a pub slash bar watching uh, Watford against Literally. Bournemouth. It was me and the uh, the barmaid who I, I I couldn't work out whether she was like Portuguese or or English. Um, she didn't seem to have a good grasp of the language either way. Um, <laughs> uh, and yeah, it was just me and her. She, I kept making her jump. She was like getting on with her business and yeah. washing Serving. all the glass. Well, yeah. there was no one else to Wait, serve. It's just, just, just tidying up, really, and washing the kind of bar <laughs> down, washing the filth off the bar from the night before. Yes. Um, and every now and again, I'd be going, oh, how terrible. What are what? you doing? Well, that, uh, that was what there was yeah, one moment. I went, what are you doing? And she turned around. Just washing up, mate. She, exactly. She looked at me. I think she thought I was talking to her. Um, I wasn't. I apologise. Well, you've only been. She's not listening. No. <laughs> Why would she? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's check the stats. Have we got any listeners in. Where was it? Where uh, were you? Albufera. In Albufera in Portugal. Um, and since you've been away, Watford have got another new manager. You're going through these three at the knots at the minute. I know, three managers, the and we're still, joint, we're still joint top. We don't need a manager. Exactly, right. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that later. Um, this week, though, um, we didn't actually bother going to Craven Cottage, Fulham Bolton in the end. We will have another live one, I'm sure, in a few weeks' time. But we thought we'd sit in the studio this week. And, like the good old days. Yeah, and talk about some of the teams that have kind of exceeded expectations mm, so far. Hence, those surprise packages. There you go. Hence the title of, uh, of this show. So we're going to pick one team, aren't we, from each division? That's your plan. Do you ever get a surprise package? What do you mean? You don't really ever get a surprise packages like in no. real life, do you? No. Because the, well, Ooh, the look of package has arrived well, for me. What is it? It won't fit. It won't me. ever be something you want. No, that's true. That's true. Oh, God, I've unplugged my headphones. I can't hear a thing. Um, but anyway, tell us about the teams. Well, I sort myself out that you've uh, you've chosen for us to focus well, on. Well, in the championship, I think it has to be Charlton. Team that narrowly avoided relegation last season, but now find themselves in the top six after, you know, beating some of the big, big teams in the division early doors. Uh, League One, you're not going to like this. Hmm. Yeah. Rochdale surpassing all expectations including mine who I had them to go down there's still time um, and League 2 Wickham Wanderers who were what a start inches away from, from yeah. relegation out of the Football League last season and now second in League 2 after a stunning start so uh, Wickham fans listen up if you're on your way to scrolling down fix just a home game against Northampton listening to this we're going to talk to Phil Catchpole the Wickham Wanderers reporter for BBC Three Counties Radio uh, Phil will join us later to reflect on a brilliant start by then they're second 21 points from 10 games uh, Rochdale are in fifth place with uh, 16 points from 10 games 
Uh, they won at Orient last weekend. Uh, Greg Ingham, friend of mine. Oh, ten men as well. Yeah. Brilliant. Uh, Greg Ingham, friend of mine, Dale Regular. We're going to give him a buzz in a bit, and he's going to uh, spend a few minutes talking to us about their start. But we are going to start, as you mentioned, with Charlton Athletic. Uh, they uh, won 1-0 at Norwich. Didn't see that result coming on uh, on Tuesday night. Uh, Johnny Jackson with a goal, and although um, you said it was the scrappy... I've not seen it. You said it was the scrappiest goal of all well, time. It's not scrappy as such. It was, from, really it, was, it was from about 25 yards out, but it just wasn't, it wasn't a brilliant shot. He didn't catch it. Johnny Jackson can hit them and can has scored some spectacular goals in his time, but this one was a bit of a bit of a pea roller, and it and it it just sort of bobbled along the ground, at fairly slow pace. And Ruddy just I don't know whether he slipped or <laughs> whether it, he was miscited. It didn't seem to take a deflection from the angle you saw on the highlights, and it just went in quite centrally, low along the ground. It was a, a terrible piece of goalkeeping, um, but it was enough to get them the win. It was um, a few minutes ago, uh, before we recorded this uh, little introduction, we uh, spoke to Rich Corley, who is the deputy sports editor for the South London Press, covers Charlton. He was there. Long old journey that is from. Uh, Charlton to Norwich on a Tuesday night but I suppose it was worth it uh, with the three points and I started by asking um, Rich about that victory away at Carrow Road on Tuesday simply what a win yeah tremendous win um, a real heavy pressure that um, Charlton were under particularly in the second half I thought when there were a few close misses, uh, penalty appeals. Uh, Stephen Henderson made some good saves as well, and just some very, very resilient defending. And the longer it went, you just you had that funny feeling: are they going to sneak something? And I think I only wrote down a couple of Charlton attacks in the second half that were actually worth putting in the notebook. And the second of those was 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 the goal. So, I mean, really, when you look at how Charlton have started the season, it's just capped off what has been a a really impressive start under Bob Peters. Very impressive indeed. I mean, you've beaten, what, three of the top four teams. You're obviously beating Norwich on Tuesday. A few weeks ago, you beat Watford 1-0. You've beaten Derby 3-2 as well. And you're making, it seems, perhaps a slight habit of these sort of smash-and-grab victories. It was 15 shots to uh, to Norwich on, on Tuesday, just four to Charlton. I think I think the stats were were in a similar sort of ballpark for, for the Watford game. So people might look at that and think, oh, are they lucky they're getting away with it? But at the same time, you can say, well, they're obviously defending really well and you know taking chances when, when they do get them, and it's working. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, I think there's there's been a it's been a real feature actually of of late that Charlton have kind of played in this particular style. It's a, it's a way of playing that is working for them so far. I mean, you touched on Watford there, um, even the Wolves game for spells there, they really were under um, some quite serious pressure, and it seems as though it's a particular tactic. You know, Bob Peters will get them to to defend deep. I was speaking to Royce Wiggins after the Norwich game, and he said that you know the head coach is his plan is that he doesn't mind the ball going wide and them having to defend crosses coming in. He doesn't want the ball played through them, through the centre. And you can kind of see that. They, they, they obviously have got this kind of reasonably settled side. They've not made a lot of changes this season to key areas. And because of that, I think it's helped them. They've been able to soak up this pressure by and large and then sort of spring on the counter. Because I still think perhaps one of their... One of their weaknesses, if you can call it that, is that they haven't got a lot of offensive options. Johan Bergamont's now injured at the moment. There's been a lot of reliance on Vitekale to score goals. Um, so that's been an area that has been a little bit of a concern. I think if you if you look at all their matches this season, I think I'm correct in saying there's not been, even in the victories, there's not been more than a goal uh, margin. So they've been very, very tight wins. Um, you mentioned the sort of small margins of victory. I was at the um, the Middlesbrough game, uh, the Valley last Saturday, the 0-0 draw. And... Um, 
Charlton in the second half in particular when Middlesbrough went down to 10 men were definitely the better side they came close to winning it at the end but in the first half there was a, quite a lot of fans sat near me who was quite, who were quite frustrated about the fact they were having plenty of possession but it was going sort of square and you know backwards there wasn't that much creativity if Charlton do want to continue this form deep into the season and you know say finish top six top seven or whatever at the end of it do you think that's something they're going to need to improve? Yeah most definitely I mean um, I think if you look at Vitekele um, championship player of the month uh, August rightfully so to my mind of what I saw of him he, he was a huge threat but he hasn't scored since the end of August as happens in this division and in this league and in any league really when a player's doing well teams look to stop him um, um, I think they've that they've swarmed him at times when he's got on the ball, and because sometimes he's only playing as a lone striker as he was at Norwich, very very easy sometimes if you get a few bodies around him to keep him quiet. I think when you look away from that, Goodmanson's impressed me um, when he's played. I think he's still working a bit on his fitness, and I think that's maybe why he's had a few niggles. But he's a very very good player. I think away from that, once you look beyond it. Callum Harriet finished last season well, hasn't really featured too much under Bob Peters. And I do think they they lack another second sort of striker. And obviously they were interested in Andy Delort before he, he went to Wigan. I think that was one they were disappointed he got away. I know Delort necessarily hasn't torn up trees yet, but he was one they very, very much wanted. Um, beyond that, Frederick Bulow, I think is still, you could probably say, in that settling in process. George took a D, and I've not totally been convinced by what I've seen of him so far. So I think they, they, they do need a bit more up top, really, to really sort of kick on if they're going to go for a really high finish in the table, which, I mean, as you say, the fans' expectations have switched. At the start of the season, they weren't really sure what to expect. New coach and a fairly new um, playing squad with a number of additions made and exits. So I think now the fans are wanting more and they're going to have to deal with that expectation. Yeah, it's always the, it was the hope. It's the hope that will kill you in the end. But I mean, what about Bob Peters then? As you rightly said, there was, I suppose, a, you know, not great expectations on him because mainly not many people really were probably too familiar with his record, apart from the fact that he once played for Millwall, really. But a uh, great start to the season. What's he like as a man, though? I really like him actually I've got to be honest um, he was funny um, he's got a good sense of humour as well I think which is beginning to come to the fore I mean there was a little bit of um, uh, of a set two at the end of the Norwich game involving Carlin and Hearn Grant who's a young 17 year old striker another one that could be worth watching this year I, he only played the last like closing stages but I like the look of him and there was a couple of Norwich players something happened at the final whistle and they kind of squared up to him a little bit and uh, Morgan Fox went over another young player to sort of front them up and sort of make sure nothing happened and Bob led them away and I was talking to him afterwards saying was that a bit naughty but they kind of picked on a young player and he was saying yeah no one no one seems to pick on Andre BK um, <laughs> uh, it, you know, I think I think Bob he's, he's got a good you know, he's very honest talking I mean in the summer where once uh, Reza Gachana had come back from World Cup duty he was very frank about him that he didn't want to play for the club and he said if he doesn't want to play I don't want him here he's not one of these people that you don't really get a clear message from I've got to be honest with Jose Riga I don't think always you really got to know exactly what he felt I think Bob Peters is quite an emotional guy he sit on the on the on the side of their pitch and I think that um, with him I think the fans have taken to him straight away I mean you can you know, with Charlton fans, the, the Millwall connection could work against you, but it wasn't a huge success for him in Millwall. He's come back, and the fans have really taken to him. And I think he's a he's a straight talking character, and he's he's an interesting guy. And in terms of the squad, 
Um, for those people who haven't really followed Charlton from last season to this season, has there been much change? Has there been have there been quite a few players that have come in from Standard Liège and uh, the clubs uh, owned by Charlton's owners, or is it mostly the same squad that finished last season? Well, no, there have been some notable changes. I mean, I suppose the big ones, if you're going from the top, the big loss, first of all, was player of the year, Diego Poirier. He played the second half of last season, but won the won the player of the year award. Um, I think when, when he left to go to West Ham, I thought, crikey, that's a, a huge hole to fix because he had been so good in that holding midfield role. Yoni Bynes has come in on a season-long loan from Standard Liège, and he's completely softened that blow. He's played very, very well there indeed. The other big departure they've had as well was in goal, ben and Hamer obviously have been pretty much the number one choice. Um, I've got to say that Stephen Henderson has grown into it. I think the last few games we've really seen that he is a good goalkeeper. So they've obviously had a change there. The other big areas that have changed, if I picked another couple out, centre-back, I've got to be honest, I wasn't convinced when I heard that Tal Ben Haim was coming in, Andre BK. You don't know quite what to expect, but they've been absolutely terrific as a partnership. And then, of course, you've got Igor Vitekla up front. The big problem Charlton had before, they didn't score enough. They didn't have enough edge. And up until the end of August, particularly, when he was very hot for Tekele, um, you know, they, they looked like they'd fixed that to a degree without maybe having a depth behind him to support him. So um, I, there's, there's been some quite significant changes to the squad. And what's been impressive is they've gelled very, very quickly once the season's got underway, helped by the fact that most of the, most of the key men, I would say, have, have been ever-present so far this season. So looking at the next few games coming up, we said about the record against the top teams has been excellent, but perhaps for some of those teams, mid-table, lower mid-table, they're the ones that you've struggled to beat. You know, too many draws, really, six, six draws of, of the 10 games so far. Uh, the next four games, home to, to Birmingham, on Saturday, then international break, away to Bournemouth, then you've got Bolton at home, then away to Fulham. So those four games are all teams that you're, that you're above and, you know, a real good opportunity to perhaps maybe not be too defensive in those home games, particularly against Birmingham and Bolton, and really try and take advantage and make sure you get the points. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because when you look at it and you, you, you kind of look at the table or the opposition, you you maybe see them playing a little bit differently. But I don't see them changing that much from, from what, they, what they're doing at the moment. Because if it isn't broken, I don't see why they would fix it. And the other thing that... Um, Bob P has, has recently made a point of, 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 of saying when teams have questioned the tactics and stuff as he said okay you look at our budget compared with pretty much a lot of these teams in this league we're, we're way 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 behind and that's, that's true there's no dispute in that so I don't think they'll change too much I agree that there are certain matches Birmingham on Saturday you want to see them often more offensively they've got to commit a bit more but they have been a cagey team quite often in recent weeks particularly and I think if it keeps getting results I don't think they worry too much the problem of course as you touched on was that the fans particularly at the Valley will come along and expect to um, see some, some flowing football and some good attacking play so they are going to have to get the bounce right but it's so difficult the championship I looked at Charlton start and thought that is very very hard and here they are sat really pretty in the table so um, you can never tell because <laughs> you, you look at certain of the games and you think they're going to pan out a certain way and they don't I mean a lot of people were prior to the game was a couple of people on Twitter were saying to me before the match I was saying well I put a few messages out and people seemed very negative about what Charlton could do at Norwich and 
I kind of think that you, you, I've been impressed with the standard of the championship this year. There's a lot of good sides in there, and, and so far, Charlton have done well against them. So sixth place after ten games. Cast your mind forward into the into the future. Where they're going to be after forty six games? Well, I think the problem I've got, if I'm if I'm being honest, I'd rather downplay their chances because if they prove me wrong, that that'd be great. I think I think they've got a real good opportunity of a top ten finish this year. The question marks for me remain around. Have they got the depth of the squad? I think that um, there's a bit of an over-reliance if you're talking about strikers at the club at the moment on Eagle Vitekele. Um And also, I think that, that there isn't quite the depth of the squad, but I don't see any reason they can't have a really good shot at it this year. I mean, I think if they got into the playoffs, it would be a, a really outstanding achievement by Bob Peters, especially when you consider his first season in management over in England and also with a very young squad. You know, they've got a lot of young players there. There. Um, and, and he's blooding them as he did Colin and Hearn Grant at the, at, on Tuesday so I think I, th- I would like to say top 10 and, and, and they'll season a real promise and if they do better than that then it will, it'll be brilliant And Rich while we've got you here I know you work for the, uh, the South London Press but um, I understand you're actually a Fulham fan yourself um, I am. So can I just get a quick word on uh, Kit Simons the job he's done would you like to see him given the job uh, permanently? I certainly wouldn't be against it. I, I think um, you know he's he's proved to be um, a very very safe pair of hands since he's taken over the job. The, about the only thing I would say is I think that it was so chaotic under Felix Magath. He was such a um, you know a, a, a person who I think his, his methods and everything else were so awry to what was needed at Fulham that I think whoever came in there probably was going to get. A short term, often you get a short term lift with a caretaker manager. I think that it helps if you follow somebody that perhaps there's been this chaotic background to it all. So I'm, I'm pleased to see that he's done well. Vital couple of results because once that gap gets a bit too big, it can get very hairy indeed. But um, I wouldn't mind seeing him. Some of the other names don't really blow me away. And He's somebody that knows the club well, knows the young players well, and we've got some very good ones coming through. So um, I certainly wouldn't be against it. I think everyone's got to have a, everyone's got to start somewhere, haven't they? And and why not with us? Because certainly as fans, I think he would unite us um, compared with some of the other options that are maybe out there. I suppose the problem for for Kit Simons is he he's not just got to convince, say, the fans or or even just the owner. He's got to convince this five man <laughs> selection panel: Danny Murphy, Brian McBride, uh, Niall Quinn, uh, Hugh Jennings, who's the academy boss there at Fulham, uh, and a fan, David Daly, season ticket holder and a senior director of, of Nike. Um, so, I mean, Danny Murphy's even come out publicly already before this and said he would like to to get the job. So it's a bit of a bizarre situation, isn't it? Yeah. It's a strange one. I, I'm guessing that Shai Khan's kind of looked at it and thought, I got it so terribly, terribly wrong with Felix Magat or whoever made the decision on, on, on that, that he almost, this almost feels a bit like he's distancing <laughs> himself from the decision. Obviously, he's got to make the final call, but I don't quite understand how it is. It's almost like a jury going out and mm. retiring, saying, OK, let's have a think who we're going to go for. Who's the biggest voice? Who makes the decision? I don't quite see how that works. I'm guessing if, if, if Kit Simons carries on the way that he does, I mean, you know, tough game at the weekend away. I think the last couple of matches, while I've been delighted to see us actually winning some games, they have been ones that you would look at a bit more. Bolton came at the kind of right time with all the pressure that's on Dougie Friedman at the moment. I think some of those matches, Birmingham away, if you look at it on paper, I know we've I've kind of said you can't always read it into that, but 
they're, they're matches perhaps where you can't judge it so much. But I've got a few. I've got a few worries. You know, the defence still looks. I mean, we've got some good attacking options, but defensively, um, I think there's a bit of work to be done, and there's a few areas that need strengthening. But I'm guessing that will happen once this committee um, <laughs> make their mind up. But who makes the final call? I reckon it's going to be blurred because it seems like no one wants to take the blame, especially after the last appointment. And Rich, I'm going to give you one word to answer this. Who's going to finish higher, Fulham or Charlton? I think Charlton will finish higher. There you go. Uh, Rich, thanks very much for joining us. No problem. Much appreciated. Uh, That is Rich Corley, Deputy Sports Editor at the South London Press. The We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Okay, so Charlton exceeding expectations in the championship and uh, let's turn our attention to League One. I I don't think I can bring myself to highlight this, but uh, there is a team, DC, that were promoted last season. If I I can put myself through uh, a live show from Kenilworth Road at Luton Town, I'm pretty sure you can give the respect that's due to Rochdale for their very fine start to the season in League One. Still had less fans at the Coventry game that they had at the weekend than we did against Burton the weekend before last. Just saying. Mm. Um, Rochdale. How many places between them and you in the league? Well, I'm playing you down. Uh, Rochdale are uh, fifth in League One. They've played 10 games so far this season, 16 points. Uh, the highest of all promoted clubs, all the four promoted clubs that came up from League Two last season. And Keith Hill is working his magic again, I think I it's fair to, to say. go down, didn't they? So maybe they're, they're <laughs> yeah. the, the, the early beneficiaries. Well, Barnsley might mm. have to go up in the relegation zone. So we're, we're both, as usual, completely out on our predictions. A few minutes ago, uh, we spoke to a friend of mine, uh, Greg Ingham, who's a, uh, I think he's a season ticket holder, certainly a, a regular uh, down at Spotland. And uh, we grabbed a few minutes with Greg to talk about this brilliant start that Rochdale have had uh, in League One this season. Uh, they won 3-2 at the weekend away at Leighton Orient, the club who don't have a manager at the minute. And I started by asking Greg whether he was surprised by that result. Well, yeah, well, I wasn't really expecting, I was hoping for... A draw, really, against Leighton Orient. I mean, they're going to be up there at the end of the uh, end of the season. I think they're going to be in the playoffs. I would imagine. I don't know if it was because they haven't got a manager and their heads might have been down, or I don't know what it was. I don't know if we took advantage of that because we've been on a bit of a roll. But um, it was great to get three points. Yeah, um, I wasn't expecting it to be honest because they're a solid side. They've got championship players, really, and we've got. Obviously, we've got a few on loan and we've got quite a lot from the youth team, so I was expecting to like a, get a point, really. Ten games in, though, you're, you're fifth in the table, 16 points. is an excellent start to the season. And did you expect to be in the playoffs at this stage? Surely not. Absolutely no chance. <laughs> no, I really didn't. Um, I mean, if you look at the opposition, we've played like Sheffield United and Bristol City, Peterborough and, well, Leighton Orient at the weekend just gone. I mean, those four could be easily in the top. 10 or well 8, 10 even the playoffs you know so I was expecting it was going to be difficult and we haven't really signed any strikers really so we've made we've got like Matty Dunn who's been exceptional I can't even (laughs) basically he's like a winger turned left back and now he's a striker who scored something like seven goals or something well, we, it's ridiculous we were going to ask you about him some of the it's not just the amount of goals he scored but it's the quality of the goals as well he scored some absolute screamers yeah I, 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 to be honest I didn't think I didn't know he had it in him in all honesty because he's a bit like a utility player he just he just seems to be able to play central midfield left back I think he might have played centre back in a bit of an emergency situation but I'm surprised I'm, I'm quite surprised yeah but like you say quality of the goals some of them 
especially like the one against Leighton Orient, I think it were outside the box. I'm just thinking, if he shoots from there, it's gone, and then before I could finish, it's gone in. I'm thinking, how's he even... I didn't know he had it in him. And then you've got quite a big game next up against Barnsley, who are a team in the relegation zone at the moment. I mean, I suppose many people would have expected you two to have been the opposite way around at this stage in the season, perhaps, because Barnsley coming down from the, from the championship. And obviously, Keith Hill who left Rochdale a few years ago to, to go to Barnsley to try and prove himself in the championship. It didn't really work out for him in the end yeah. there. So he'll, he'll want to have a, you know, he'll want to prove a point, you know, uh, to Barnsley. And, and by the way you're going, it looks like you can very well do that. Hopefully, yeah. You know, that's a good point, actually. Um, Barnsley, obviously, coming down from the championship, I would imagine, I know it's only a few games in, but I wouldn't have had them in the bottom four, no chance. Um, I know they got rid of quite a lot of ex-Dale players, I know, They've gone here, there and everywhere. Preston, they've, I think Barry might have signed a few, I'm not too sure. I know we've got Stephen Dawson and a few, think, a few players like that. But definitely the key hill when you mention you might want to, I don't know, maybe prove everyone wrong that maybe he he, he, he can get it done in, in a certain level. Yeah, I, I can't imagine what it must feel like if, he, if we were to win. I, mean, I know we, we beat Barnsley a few years ago in the Cup. I think that was the League Cup away from home. But um, that's a different kettle of fish mm. together. You'd um, like to do one over, I think, on his uh, on his old club. You mentioned Stephen Dawson there. I was going to ask you about him. Obviously, uh, he was quite a big player for Bury a few years ago, and he's, yeah. he's been around the block, hasn't he? A bit. He's gone to. He was at Leighton Orient for a while, and then he was at Barnsley, and now he's ended up back in the in the northwest at, at Dale. What's he been like since he's coming, and how important has his signing been this season? He's been fantastic. Um, I think he's had two man of the match performances back to back. I think that were last. Last, not not the late Orient game, but the previous two. He's been phenomenal. I think we've missed a player like that since Gary Jones, really. A bit of a warrior, a bit of a no-nonsense um, central midfielder. Um, I think we've got these youth team players in the middle, like uh, Jamie Allen and a few other ones who are, who are a little bit lightweight, a little bit. But Stephen Dawson, like he's, he goes steam and him gets the ball, and I think he makes his presence felt a little bit, you know, like especially I went to Sheffield United and he was steaming in everywhere, getting the ball and running off with it. And I'm just thinking, wow, we've needed this since, since Jonesy, really. Yeah, he's been phenomenal. So as we said, amazing start to the season. I mean, you're winning games, but you're not just winning games. You're winning them really well. You put five past crew, you put uh, four past Crawley, four past Warsaw, what, three against Leighton Orient, another three yeah, against yeah. Crew in, in the in the JPT. And, you know, when you're winning, you're winning in style. I mean, but do yeah. you think that this can continue for the whole season? Can you can you keep the consistency up? Is there, is there enough in the squad and with the management there to, to genuinely be you know an unexpected challenger for promotion or will you level out? I think we'll level out in all honesty. I really do. Um, it's going to be difficult because I know we've only had a few seasons in League One. I think we've, well, to my recollection, I know the last time we're only two seasons, but I think we will level out. I mean, if we get hit by a few injuries or a few suspensions, especially for some of the players that are on firing all cylinders at the moment, I think we could really knock us down a few positions. But I'm just really enjoying it at the moment. I know it's only nine games or ten games or something like that, but. If they can keep it up, um, you know, get as many points as we possibly can against. Um, and I think we've got a difficult run as well coming up soon. I know we've had a bit of a difficult run with Peterborough, Sheffield, Barn, uh, Leighton Orient, and Bristol. But teams we were expected to be around, like, say, Walsall or uh, Crew and Colchester, 
I don't know if those are more important to win because you might end up near, nearer to those teams at mm. the end of the season or need to win as many games as possible. It depends. I don't know if we can affect the bigger teams, but I don't think anybody saw it coming. Yeah. So that was Rochdale fan Greg Ingham talking to us a few minutes ago. They are having a brilliant season in League One. And if we turn our attention down to League Two now for the next few minutes, uh, one side who perhaps not many uh, neutrals um, would have had uh, or sort of casual observers would have had at the top of the table is the side which only just survived relegation to the conference by the skin of their teeth on the final day of last season uh, with that win at Torquay coupled with Bristol Rovers losing at home to Mansfield it meant they survived in the Football League Wickham Wanderers uh, stayed up and after that game we spoke to Phil Catchpole the BBC Three Counties Radio uh, Wickham reporter and with uh, Wickham sitting pretty in I think second spot um, in League 2 at this minute uh, we've got Phil back on the phone. Phil, thank you very much for joining us. Um, a 1-0 victory against Cambridge at the weekend and it's been one hell of a start. Yeah, it has been, yeah. It took me a couple of weeks to get my voice back after the end of last season <laughs> and then once everything calmed down and everyone came to terms with the fact we're still in the Football League, I don't think many people were really expecting the start that we've had, but um, it's been phenomenal and the message from the club really that they keep trying to put out is that we just want to be safe, we just want to get to 55 points and then take it from there. But, you know, we were a long way to getting those points already. You're about, half, you're about halfway there already. <laughs> just about, yeah, which, um, you know, credit to Gareth Ainsworth, he's really, really turned it round. I think, you know, by his own admission, uh, the dreadful run they had in the middle of last season, I think had the club had any money, um, he probably would have gone. But then the other side of the argument was if the club had some money, then maybe it would have been an easier situation for him to manage. He was a young manager and it was a terrible situation for him to after learning but he survived it and he's learned a hell of a lot and I tell you what he's really applying it this year it's been it's changed from top to bottom at the club um, not just on the pitch off the pitch as well and all these changes have really amounted to this brilliant start they've had and it, it looks like there's been some really shrewd recruitment in the summer if you look at the, the start to the season that, that Wickham have had only six goals conceded which is the lowest in the entire football league so far um, and uh, pretty much a, a new defence w- was was recruited in the summer with uh, Aaron Pierre from, from Brentford Cedar John Barty from Cheltenham uh, Joe Jacobson from, from Shrewsbury um, those three I think have played all ten games so far in, in the defence and you know it appears to be appears to be working yeah, it's definitely it's like building a house, isn't it? You get your foundations right and then everything from there is okay. And we've had, even in the Spain Trophy in the League Cup, we've had an ever-present back five, you know, goalkeeper back four. And they've been phenomenal. We signed a kid from Brentford on loan, uh, Alfie Mawson, to cover Gary Doherty. He pretty much uh, met the team on the bus on the way to Newport on the opening day of the season. Young player, never really played in the league before. Uh, but he partnered Aaron Pierre. They grew up together in Brentford, the Brentford youth system. That helps, so they, yeah. they, they, they knew each other's game and they've just been phenomenal. They had a period against Mansfield in the first 20 minutes of the game where they just couldn't deal with the direct, directness of Matt Reid. Uh, but they learnt on the job and they've been learning ever since and they're getting better and better with every minute on the on the pitch. The two fullbacks have been phenomenal. Joe Jacobson, uh, Gareth Ainsworth admitted in pre-season the, the day after he signed him that he couldn't believe that he'd captured Joe Jacobson. Player of the season last year at Shrewsbury. I know they got relegated, but you know the Shrewsbury Town fans on their forum were, were sort of apoplectic that he signed for Wickham. They're expecting him to sort of stay in League One and improve himself. But he's been fantastic for Wickham. Uh, defensively very solid and he, he offers great living from set pieces and going forward and, and Cedo John Barty has become an instant sort of cult hero at <laughs> Adams Park he's quite an unusual character he's a lovely guy very laid back off the pitch uh, on the pitch he's a bit of a maverick but again very very solid 
adds a bit of height as well at the back post and uh, again gets forward really well and the distribution from the fullbacks has been for me the biggest improvement in watching Wickham and the way they're playing football Well I was at the um, I'm a Berry fan and I was at the, the Berry game at Wickham around about I can't remember when it was about a month ago now wasn't it when it was 0-0 and That's right, yeah. all of us in the away end were saying best player on the pitch is their fullback right back which I think was Cedo John Barty um, That's right. he was absolutely fantastic and you've also got you know you've got a bit of pace in the team team up front now I mean I went to the sort of same game last season where we beat you 2-1 and um, I didn't think Wickham were that great but this year I just thought you look a much much better team already it's I think it is the team. The team is, is a real unit. The whole squad, it's a small, much smaller squad. Uh, Gareth got rid of 14 in the, over the summer and only brought in eight. Uh, so it's a much tighter unit. The prima donnas have gone. Uh, there's no one sort of strutting around the place anymore, picking up a wage, not really delivering on a Saturday. Uh, they're all pulling for each other and it's the spine of the team for me it's Paul Hayes up front uh, Peter Murphy midfield has been a phenomenal signing from Atkinson Stanley and then the defence that we've spoken about the young goalkeeper Matt Ingram is solid as well so it's a really solid spine um, we've got Paris Cowan Hall who, who looks a much fitter prospect now and he he he, uh, he had some good spells last season but just got injured and just didn't get any momentum but he, he started the season well and we've got Matt McClure who's always at a bit of pace and Sam Woods who spent last season at left back has now been able to push forward uh, he's played left wing he's played up front he'll play anywhere for the team he's a, he's a solid player he's quick as well and that's really really improved everything for Wickham and uh, as I say yes yeah, the big turnover it's a much tighter unit the big question is though if we get a few injuries then it could all go horribly wrong but we shall see the loan system has been fairly kind to Wickham over the years they tend to pick out little gems where they can and they're well connected and it's a good location to get loans so fingers crossed they'll be okay and Gareth Ainsworth very much comes across as a very likeable character. Obviously, cares a lot about the club, and and you could see really what it meant to him. And when they did the feature on him on the Football League show last last season, a little while ago, you see how much it meant to him and how much he you know he wanted to keep Wickham up and and make a success of it. And he sort of how much do you think that near? Near near miss experience, you know, came so close to going out of the football league last season. I mean, it's almost like that was a huge turning point. They managed to, you know, have that late run, that big victory on the last day of the season, secure the status, and you know that could be it's almost better in a way to come so close in a way to have that experience to kind of give you the motivation and to to push on from there. I think you've hit it down on the head. For me, it's a catalyst to turn the club around. I mean, it's been struggling for years um, with ownership issues, with debt, and that really contributed to the situation that Gareth was in. And we spoke about it just earlier that you know, he inherited a large squad of players, some players that didn't want to be there, and it was a difficult situation for him to manage. Uh, this year is very much his own squad, but yeah, it's that that wonderful day at Playmore. It kind of it almost we hit bottom the week before, and I think everyone realised we we couldn't really get any lower than that. I think. People were worried if we slipped out of the league, we may go out of business. Um, but when we survived, and I think everyone from there, it's just been a constant, steady climb out, which has been phenomenal to, to be a part of and, and watch. And, and Gareth, has, I think he's learned personally a hell of a lot from the experience. I don't think anyone, you know, it's no other situation where you could learn so much. And 
I think he had a very strong, hard look at himself over the summer. I think he realised he wasn't completely blameless into the situation. He's changed his entire persona. He's very likable. He was one. Of, he was a lot of their, those players last season. He was a lot of their former teammates. And this season, he's he's elevated himself out. You can't call him Gaz anymore. No one in the club and the media, anyone is allowed to refer to him as Gaz. He's Gareth or the Gaffer. On match days, he's in sort of smart, casual clothes. Now there's no sort of uh, leisure wear, anything like that. Uh, he doesn't take the warm up. He's removed himself out of the group a bit and uh, has, and some ceded some control to his coaches. And you can tell he's picked that up. He's learned. He's spoken to people in the game. He's well connected and he's changed everything that he can. He hasn't got a lot of money to spend, so he's con- everything within his control he's changed. He's swapped dugouts. He's made the pitch smaller. Uh, you know, he's just just try to change everything he can really um, every time we're away from home we win the toss we attack our, our fans first uh, it's just little things that have been picked up on by the fans and little idiosyncrasies but at the minute they're working so all hats off to him really it's fantastic and does such a good start inevitably raise expectations yeah, that's the challenge he's got now um, because we're, you know, the dreaded playoffs have been mentioned and, <laughs> and all these other bits and pieces. And you know, everyone at the club, including Gareth, it's a straight bat every time. It's like fifty-five points. We want to get safe, and then after that, then let's see what happens. I mean, the way they're going, they could hit fifty-five points with the last chunk of the season remaining, and then then we can see what can happen from there. But this season was always about consolidation. Stay on, uh, stay in the league again. Hopefully, not as close as last season. As exciting as that was but uh, allowing everyone behind the scenes and in the club to get itself on an even footing and, and, and get some money back into the club and get people investing or, or businesses and, uh, and the fans connecting with the club again and, and making sure that nothing like last season could ever happen again I was just going to ask about that actually I mean we've, we've talked so much about how well it's going on the field but ha- how is it off the field because obviously there have been some really desperate times over the last few seasons at Wickham yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, it was a real cloud last season. There was sort of talk of people coming in and purchasing the club, and whether the fans would uh, would there be enough of them to vote yes for that. Currently, it's owned by the fans, so seventy five percent of them would have to say yes for any to go back into sole ownership again. We have a new chairman uh, who is also the sponsor of the club as well. Uh, nothing's really been announced uh, as as what the structure is going to be moving forward or what the plans are or how that's going to, how that's going to affect the club. So there's still a bit of a, an unknown quantity going on behind the scenes, but at the minute, everything on the pitch is great. So fans are happy in that respect. But yeah, there's still no news really on, on what's happening off the pitch. Um, everything seems a lot calmer. The club seem to be picking themselves up and, and worrying about how to run themselves as a functional football club again, which is obviously a positive thing. But uh, yeah, still a, a question mark really. Uh, I mean, I don't think Wickham are alone in that either. I think a lot of clubs are in that boat. But uh, yeah, they're still not, uh, a clear identity of what's going to happen off the pitch moving forwards but what we do know is that you know on the pitch is working out um, which I think will make everything else a lot easier I think for everybody uh, Phil thanks a lot that's Phil Catchpole who is the Wickham Wanderers reporter for BBC Three Counties Radio more in just a second Right, just uh, just checking Twitter. Dougie Friedman still not been sacked. I don't think. Not just yet. At it. Not yet. Um, Fulham... He's waiting. He's waiting for you to <laughs> download Fulham... on that on that edit. Uh, Fulham four, uh, Bolton nil. Uh, we're just gonna have a quick sort of ten minute roundup here. That was the result that sprung out of me in midweek, and he's in a lot of trouble. It was even trending on Twitter. Hashtag Friedman out. Mm. And I'm not surprised actually because I saw them on the first day of the season 
when, when Watford beat them three nil, and I was really struck by it, you know that that day we were we were fairly good, but Bolton were terrible. The first day of the season, okay, your players may not be all match fit, but the adrenaline and the you know the fans and the atmosphere of the first day back should get you up for the occasion. And it looked like it looked like one of those games where it was last game of the season and they were safe. It looked like they were they were on the beach sort of thing, and they weren't running, they weren't pressing our players. They were there was no there was no real pressure. There was no desire. The work rate just wasn't there, and they just looked completely lethargic. And that seems to have very much carried on since. You know they're they're in the bottom three, you know, hammered against a team Fulham. Okay, they've had a change of manager, and they've they've had a little little slight resurgence from their own terrible start, but. It just has not kicked on for Friedman at Bolton. We had high hopes for, you know, he would have had high hopes for them when he, he left Palace, who were, you know, flying when he left them uh, to join Bolton, a club with a bigger infrastructure probably at the time, a more recent Premier League history. But, you know, it couldn't have gone any worse for him since Palace are now looking like they're going to try and establish themselves in the Premier League and Bolton are, are floundering mm, in the it, championship. It just shows. It? It's, it's just not happened for them. It just shows how football can change so quickly as well. Just what was yeah. it, the last day of the season when uh, it was when City won the league, wasn't it, against QPR? And they were they were away at Stoke and they got relegated that day. And look, at it was two and a half well, years and, later and, and on the verge in, of... Even in his first season, to be fair to, to Friedman, he, yeah. he got them going then. And they were, you know, the, the last day was of the season when they, they didn't get into the playoffs. You know, but it was it was very close, wasn't it? And then last season was a was a real disappointment, and that's carried on this year. And I think you look at the team and the squad. You know, the reason I tipped them so heavily the last two seasons to go up was because they still had that squad full of full of Premier League, you know, experience if if not quality. I think some of those players have have left gradually. There's been you know the injuries to some of the key players, and and some of the big wage earners have had to leave. And you know that squad isn't what it was. And the the players that have come in, you know, aren't as good as perhaps aren't as good as ones that are left. But but also maybe we were wrong to look at those players and think that they were the right sorts of players to get Bolton back to the Premier League. We, <laughs> who's the uh, we? Me, me, other people who would have tipped them as well. Yeah, you know, maybe some of those players were the problem. You know, maybe they had become a bit complacent with Premier League football and earning, you know, for for Bolton what I'm sure would have been vast amounts of money and, you know, maybe sometimes a clearing of the decks is a good thing and that sort of, at least in, in part, has happened but there doesn't seem to be a lot there to replace it at the moment. Going to be a, a very difficult atmosphere. He is still in charge against Bournemouth at the Macron at the weekend. A lot of fans are going to make their the, voices you know, heard. The thing is, I mean, it is... He's not pulling any punches. In his post-match interview, he said, I, I've, told the relega- I've told the players that they're in a relegation battle with a capital R. You know, after after nine games, and he's sort of saying, "I think I'll be given more time." I mean, with with all due respect, Dougie, you, you have been given a reasonable amount of time by today's standards. You know, the average tenure of a of a manager in the football league is probably a little bit less than what he's had. What he's he's had this would be his second full season, so he's had probably a, in in all, all things said nearly two two seasons mm-hmm. coming up to two seasons in, in charge. So, you know. That's the name of the game. You've got to you've got to have success, and I don't think he's got too much longer to to get it done there. Still not bottom though, because Blackpool have only got three points from ten games, three draws and seven defeats. Um, Wigan just above the relegation zone there, um, struggling. Uve Rosler says they're still hungover from last season. <laughs> now we've had some hangovers in our time, certainly. Yeah. But that is, I mean, that is what May to October. That's a long cold hangover. <laughs> they need to pick it up soon. A uh, good win for Huddersfield away at Wolves in midweek. Connor Cody with a beauty. Chris Powell already lovely goal. Uh, already turning things around there. Two straight wins in the league for them. And yeah, at the top you've got Norwich, Forest, and your boys Watford all level on points. Um, I was at Millwall against Birmingham 
on Tuesday. Made a trip down to the mm-hmm. New Den. Um, actually, I was quite impressed by the time in which it took me to get there, considering I live on the other side of London. But uh, uh, enjoyable evening in the uh, in the press box there, sort of watching all the journos at work. And um, an away win for Birmingham. Now, this is an amazing stat. Millwall haven't beaten Birmingham since 1996. I heard that. That is a long old time. They're a real bogey team. and uh, They played each other a fair amount. I mean, I know they had a slight little spell away where Birmingham were in a Prem and Millwall were probably in League One, weren't they? But still, they've probably played each other quite a lot of times. Standout player was David Cottrell. I know oh, yeah. Birmingham signed in the summer. He scored a beauty against Fulham on Saturday. He scored another beauty. He's a funny old player. And he set up two goals. A very, very bold man as well. He is. You can always spot Cottrell. He's a player he's the slap at, at times has threatened to you know be really dangerous. And a yeah. lot of clubs have, have you know spent a bit of money on him in the past. And he's certainly a player who's got talent. But then maybe for whatever reason, I've no idea why it is, he hasn't been able to do it consistently. And he's had thus had a number of clubs. But still, I mean, as, as you obviously saw the other night, a player that when the conditions are right and when things are going right for him, can be very good. The home fans did get a bit restless, I've got to say, when that third goal went in, including one guy who went pa- walked past the press box and went, you, you lot don't even have to effing pay! And then stormed off. <laughs> well, too right. And, uh, it was exactly right. You on the, in the bloody freebie seats. And everyone, but, um, everyone was just looking at each other like... I was going um, to say about Millwall, um, speaking to my, my Millwall friends at Millwall work, Joe. Millwall Joe and, and Millwall George. Um they the, the problem at the moment with Millwall seems to be that there's I mean there have been a few injuries but the, the team seems to be chopping and changing all the time Mark Beavers the centre half mm. was was put up front at one point <laughs> yeah. on on Tuesday well, they've, started. they've got a you know, right oh. I think Jimmy Abdu's played a bit at right back in the last few games and then they've, you know there's, there's, just been, right there's been there's been players uh, Chaplo came on I yeah, think that was it. played at right that was back, it it was Richard Chaplo yeah. played right back in the second half and the bloke next to me was like Chaplo at, at right back yeah. what the F and is I going think, on you know there's some really big questions being asked of Ian Holloway in terms of his team selection and his tactics at the moment because it, it does seem to be a bit bizarre and obviously you need you need a settled side you were at uh, Watford were you on Tuesday I quickly was. before we move on to League One um, and, went against Doncaster and Watford, under Watford, Billy McKinley Watford were, were pretty good um, not Doncaster sorry Brentford wasn't it come not on, Doncaster mate, yeah. sorry they're playing red and white. Red and white. <laughs> yeah. Unacceptable from you still. Sorry, Doncaster um, League One now, aren't they? Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, everyone. So, uh, Watford were pretty good. Fantastic goal from Vidra to, to win the match. But but Brentford, I'll talk about them. I was actually very impressed by them. Probably a little bit hard done by, actually, all things being said. And they certainly were, were annoyed about the penalty decision, so they felt they should have at least had a point. Um, Alan Judge was one of the best players on the pitch. I thought he looked really good. Uh, created a few chances, looked very lively um, down, the, down the left-hand side. Moses, you can see... Moses Adebayo, you can see that he's got real talent, as we saw a few times for Orient last season when we watched him. He had probably not one of his best games, didn't quite go for him, but certainly he's got that pace to burn and will scare a lot of players. And they, they just look like they want to play football. They looked, you know, considering the, the size of their club, the budget they've got, and the fact they've just come up from, from League One, they looked comfortable. They looked at home in the Championship. They looked like a Championship team. And I think if they can, you know, and I wish I think they will do, if they can stay up this season and for the next few years really just dig in and, and just hold their own in the championship, that new ground comes along. It gives them an opportunity to really you know, establish themselves and go on to the next level. Into League One, let's move on. Um, just looking at, there's a couple of teams I want to talk about in particular. We should um, say MK Don, Swindon, Peterborough, um, all going very, very well, um, but not as well as Bristol City. Five points clear Ooh. after 10 games. I think seven wins and three draws so far Fantastic. in the league. So uh, a quick word on them before I talk about crew at the other end. Uh, what a start, Steve. We talked about David Cottrell. Steve Cottrell, nice little feature on the Football League show as well last weekend. Brilliant. And I think he's somebody that has a bit of a reputation amongst football fans 
as being somebody that's not an inspiring, you know, when Steve Cottrell turns up at your club, I've heard every, you know, every appointment he's got in the last few years, oh God, not Steve Cottrell. <laughs> but to his credit, he's done a really good job at Bristol City. You know, remember all the people saying that um, Sean O'Driscoll was hard done by and they should have stuck with him and his philosophy. Well, look at look at what's happened. You know, the people that made that decision have been vindicated thus far because Bristol City are flying this season. They've invested though. That's you know, make no bones about it. It's not it's not completely down to Cotswold's magic on the on the training pitch necessarily. Uh, it's also down to him being able to bring in a lot of good players for that level. You know, Freeman is an excellent signing from from Stephen Jones. They lost Sam Bulldog as well, which is a which is a big loss for them. But and they've got Wilbraham who will score goals at this level. They kept hold of J. Emmanuel Thomas, who's an excellent player when he wants to be. Um, so they've they've got a lot of good players really, and they've started on fire and you know they're, they're beating teams comfortably as for crew down the other end they are having an absolute mare they lost 3-0 at home to Notts County in midweek just the one win and a draw from their first 10 8 defeats their goal difference is minus 19 mm, already not good, not good and I was chatting a bit um, to Hugh Wilson who uh, blogs for us on crew last week and he is already deflated thinks it's going to be a nailed on relegation I did a little search of their what their fans were saying on Twitter the other night as well um, not happy at all. It's funny, isn't it, when a manager gets you promoted, like Steve Davis did there a couple of years ago, how how quickly things can, can change around in the space of a couple of years. And it sounds like they're having a very similar season to the second season that we had when we were in League One. And they do seem to be like a club like us who kind of, we kind of mid, usually sort of flick between the two divisions. You can never really get an established run going uh, in League One and it looks like they're going to go go the uh, go out the trap door again this season. Yeah, and I think Crew are obviously famous for their youth academy and their policy of bringing in young players and then they get sold on. And the problem with that system is, as good as it is and as great as it is sometimes as fans to see that, these players, it's not, a, no matter how good your academy is, it's not guaranteed that every single season there'll be a good crop of players. There's natural fluctuation in the ability of young players. And sometimes they're going to have some some good ones that will come through. Other times, the ones coming through to replace those that are sold aren't going to be as good. And when you're a club like Crew, who are so reliant on that approach, it's not like they can go out and buy players to supplement that that system. I think you are going to have this kind of up and down sort of existence, which is very much what they have. You know, in a couple of years' time, I bet you they'll have another load of you know good youngsters come <laughs> yeah. through, and they, they might get back up to League One. And I think that's just the way it is, really. It's but it's you know nevertheless. It doesn't make it any, you know, less disappointing uh, as a crew fan to be down there. You know, they are they should still be a team that, you know, shouldn't be cut adrift in this division at all. They they could and have competed at this level in the past, and that should be a realistic ambition for them. But I think that is a an unwanted consequence, perhaps, of of what on the whole is probably still a good system to have if you're a club like crew. Um, in League Two, just a couple of things that I wanted to mention. One is John Coleman at Accrington Stanley. He's gone back in there. They've won four of their last five games. Do you remember they did something very similar around this time last season under James Beattie as well? They had yeah. a poor start and then they just pulled a load of wins out and he's, he obviously knows the club uh, inside out and it's working out well um, for him second time. Is it second or third time? Well, I'm not sure. I, I suppose it's quite an interesting sort of um, comparison because he was obviously the man who replaced Keith Hill Mm. at Rochdale who as we spoke about earlier yes, on has subsequently yeah. gone off and come back to Rochdale and it seems as like you know Keith Hill is so he's, a man who's got a great affinity of Rochdale and, and Coleman I think he's a very similar situation at Accrington 
hugely, hugely successful at Accrington. Wasn't the stat that every every season he was at the club, they they, improved all, position, they yeah. always improved their league position. And it just didn't work for him at Rochdale. We thought that maybe that was the chance for him to go and you know do it a, a slightly more established league club and it didn't work. So he's back at Accrington and, you know, he'll feel at home. And I think it's probably, a, you know, as good an appointment as probably Accrington could have hoped for after losing James Beattie. And a bit of positive news to end. Portsmouth are out of uh, oh, debt completely. Yeah. The, uh, Pompey Ahead support, of schedule. Yeah, the Pompey Supporters Trust raised about two and a half million through Brilliant. individual pledges of a grand 2,368 I mean, yeah. shareholders. It's fantastic, isn't Amazing. it? Amazing. But it, it also, it also, I suppose, will leave a slight, you know, a, a sour taste maybe in some of these Portsmouth fans' mouths because at the end of the day, as ever, it's the fans that have had to put their hands <laughs> in their pocket and and get this club back on an even keel after years and years and years of of abuse and, you know, bad decisions from the people, various people who were who were responsible for the for the running of this club. And you know, it's great that they're where they are, but they really shouldn't have had to be there. It shouldn't have to get to the stage where the fans have to raise two and a half million pounds of their own money just Ridiculous. to keep this, you know, just get this club club debt free. But it's a positive thing. They're going to move forward from this and they will, as a club and as a fan base, will have learned a hell of a lot from that experience. And hopefully, you know, they're never going to get like that again. And here's something I didn't think I'd say. In the words of Yaz and the plastic population, the only, <laughs> the only way is up. And it is after that. Well, um, not necessarily. Well, being the pedant in me would like to point out that there is very much still. <laughs> Shut up. Fade you out. Go down. Okay. Um, to finish, well, a few things to mention. Now, do you remember last year when we uh, went to the Emirates Stadium for the Football Supporters Federation Awards? Oh, yeah. 2013. Mm-hmm. Cruelly overlooked. Um, yeah. Actually, who, do we know who judged that? There was no judge, was there? It was a public vote. Oh, yeah. Balls for confidence. The people said they didn't want it. The people decreed us not to be worthy of winning, Mark. Yes, well, we were worthy enough of getting nominated. And um, I just thought I'd put this out there. Nominations are open for this year. Okay. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm, I mean, you could go to the Football Supporters Federation website if you want and vote for us for best podcast. If nothing else. Yes. If nothing else. Look, if we get nominated again, we're not going to win. Football Weekly will inevitably win again. Yes. But... It'll give me a good chance of getting a lovely meal. It will. In the cold winter. It will. So you could go to fsf.org.uk and have a look at the categories you can vote for. Or alternatively, you could email awards at fsf.org.uk with your nominations. <laughs> but I'm not, you know, I'm not saying you should. I'm just saying it's an option. And similarly, the Football Blogging Awards. Oh, sorry. Actually, back to the FSF. Do you think Mario Balotelli will be there this year? Maybe. Because Luis Suarez was there last year. FSF, sure. it, it was best podcast last year. Now it's best podcast slash best radio show. So, um, oh god, there's yeah. even less chance, <laughs> isn't it? Um, Football Blogging Awards—they've got a best podcast uh, category as well, and they—they uh, they want us to get involved uh, in that and tell you to go and vote. FootballBloggingAwards.co.uk is being held at the National Football Museum, Urbis in Manchester. And last in November. year, the winner of that highly prestigious award was our good friends Bantam's Banter. It was. Now that is done in a public vote as well, I believe. So both of those, please go and get involved. We're only joking about sort of doing it for us, but if you just want to get involved and vote on all the various categories, oh, love me. They would appreciate all the feedback. Um, all Audible.co.uk slash going up. That should be in your browser, David. That should be in your favourites. That should be your, your homepage. Uh, yes. Because if you go there, so. we've got a great uh, offer for you. You can get a free audiobook of your choice. Um, and there's loads, good of, good, books loads of good football Has ones Rio there done as well. one? Well, we, we talked about this already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hashtag both sides. Yeah. Pathetic, pathetic title. He's doing a lot Rio. of press Come on. about that. I'm not uh, sure if that one is on there. If you like cricket, so. Kevin Peterson's book's oh, out gotcha. next week. Yeah. That'll be interesting. Again, I don't know if that'll be on there, but soon it will be, I'm sure. Oh, very soon, yeah. I'm I'm, sure. I don't know if he'll be the one 
voicing it. Anyway, go and have a look at them all. Uh, sign up. There's a free one-month trial. You get to download one free audiobook of your Christmas choice. Christmas is on the way. It's book season. Oh, shut up. Christmas is on the way. Book season it's is second of October, mate. Yeah, winter is upon us, actually, and, and, that. And, was, thus, and thus the great and good of the world will be releasing their books for us to read over I Christmas. was in a pub, actually, back home a couple of weeks ago, and there was a Christmas tree up. I nearly stormed oh, out geez. as soon as I saw that. Well, that would have been in September. That, that, yeah, is, yeah, that is awful. Yeah. Uh, so audible.co.uk slash going up, you get a free audiobook, and there's a free one-month trial. You can download the audiobook, and then if you want to cancel the trial before the end of the month, you can do it. Up to you. So please go and get involved. Uh, but the URL we need you to sign up at to help us keep this show free, etc. It's audible.co.uk slash going up. If you could help us out, we will love you forever. Um, the new website is up as well. We are goingup.co.uk. Yep. And the Twitter is at Wagyu Podcast. mighty fine. It is. So go and check it out if you can. Uh, that's it for us this week. Um, uh, we should be back. Can I say one more thing? Oh, go on. Go Just ahead. One, why, why not? We've go rambled on. enough. Is it your birthday or something? No, no, not till the okay. end of the month. 27th October. Oh, God, you <laughs> did say it. Go on. No, but that, that wasn't... You, you've sidetracked me. That wasn't what I was going to say. You posted a video on our Twitter mm-hmm. um, of John Oliver and David Letterman... I did. ...talking about the English football pyramid system. This on, is unbelievable. And I love John Oliver. 19! That bit where he said... I know, that's what I was going to say. You're a great man, John Oliver. A man of unparalleled intellect and, and comedic ability. And, and, and we love the bugle as well. Go on. Brilliant man. And and surely he must know that there are 20 teams in the Premier League. Surely you must know it's that. It's not the Premier League, it's the Premier League. Know, was he trying to just Americanise no, it and just play up know. to the letter? He said there's sure. 19 teams. I, I couldn't help but watch it and just be like, oh, well, it's not called, it's not Division 1. No, it's, not it's Division League 1. Two. It's League yeah. 2. John, this is your chance. Come on. All these Americans. Who's he support? Does he have a team? Sports Liverpool. Oh, Even though it's from Bedford, bizarrely. Oh, I think something like that. Um, but yeah, if you haven't checked that out, please go and have a look on the, uh, the it always, video. Letterman at times almost seems to know more about <laughs> than, than Oliver. We know with Letterman he jokes about it, but did did he actually understand? I bet he doesn't understand how promotion and relegation works. They just don't understand it in American sports, do no. they? No. Um, anyway, go and have a look at that video if you can. Uh, Twitter.com slash Wagyu Podcast. Get him over. <laughs> Take him to a match. I think actually Letterman in the 90s went to a game at Wembley I only know that because I'm a bit of a Letterman geek. I think he came over and did his show at the old Wembley Stadium. Well, YouTube how about, that. remember old uh, Kelsey Grammer, was it? Was <laughs> yes. it wasn't he at Oxford last year? No, yeah. no, he was at Bristol Rovers, wasn't he? Yeah, oh, that's right. Like, exactly, Bristol, I'm sure you'll know him. Yeah. <laughs> Get in touch with him. Get yourself down to the memorial. Some conference action. Shall we end this now? We're waffling. <laughs> <laughs> we'll speak to you next week. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. <laughs> Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.